Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio and on Tuesdays, we call it Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we tackle marriage and relationship issues as they re- end as they relate to our workplace ministry. We all need to understand that whatever goes on at home, we carry with us on our backs into the workplace. And Also, because of the attack on marriage across the globe, but more intensely right here in the United States of America, right now the battle is intense. We just really feel like we need to do whatever we can to build up marriages, to give you tools to be able to fight for your marriage. And no pun intended, but today the title of our conversation is Don't Go to Bed Angry, Stay Up and Fight. Wait till you hear about this conversation. <laughs> but before we get to our guest authors on the air today, just a couple of reminders. Did you know that we podcast every show? Maybe you're not able to listen to every show live on the air on or, or on iHeartRadio. We podcast everything. It's out there on iTunes, and it's also out there on our website. It is. And, you know, we um, we were talking about the fact that we were on vacation last week and we had some guest hosts and I had the pleasure of listening to them on podcast. And it is a great way to do it. You can just pull them up and listen to it and um, only takes about 45 minutes or so to listen to a show. It's pretty great. So that's a pretty cool thing. And also, right before we went on vacation, uh, the cruise line notified us that they were going to be putting a little pressure on us to fill up the rooms for our next end of March 2017 marriage retreat cruise. So if you'd like to join us, you really need to get signed up now. Go out to Facebook, search for I Work For Him and the events on there. Martha, why don't you tell them how they can find it? Well, most people, if you're familiar with Facebook, just go out there and look for the event 2017 Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage. And there is a link that takes you to our cruise planners website. And the password is really tough. It's the word cruise. That's right. And if you have any questions, you can always email either of us, Jim at IWorkForHim.com or Martha at IWorkForHim.com. You know, as we enter in to our show today, it does take a paradigm shift to approach marriage from a Christ-like standpoint. Most of us, many of us, did not have that perfect example in our homes as we were growing up. Well, I don't think any of us had a perfect example. Oh, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, and so... It takes a paradigm shift, which is the same paradigm shift it takes just to follow Jesus. It's the same paradigm shift that it takes to be a Christ follower in your workplace. All of it just means, hey, it's no longer about you. It's all about Jesus. Mm. Romans 12.2 talks about this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, Martha, you, I, I want you to introduce our guest today because you're the one that came up with this incredible book. Well, this is pretty exciting. I know that we have on the line with us Ron and Deb DeArmond. Welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Martha. Good to hear your voice. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. So a little background. Um, Several years ago, I met Deb. We were on um, the Homekeeper show on the CTN together with Arthelene Rippey, and she was um, talking about her book that she had written at that time was about relationships with mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. Well, that's got to be a good one. It is a really good one because she has three. I didn't get to, I didn't get to read that one. You didn't get to well, read it. Well, it wasn't about one. me. <laughs> so I just love um, getting to know you at that show, Deb. And then when I saw that this book had come out, I reached out and said, I want to read this book and have you guys on the air. So we are so thankful that you are here with us today. And we've really been looking forward to it so much. So let me just ask you guys separately the, the, the question, because we always, we always like to start off the show with a testimony, how the Lord is working in, in our guests' lives. They get to hear from us all the time, but they don't get to hear from guests, and guests are always sharing a different way the Lord is moving. So, Ron, why don't you start us off, and how have you noticed the Lord working in the intimate details in your life recently? Uh, well, recently we, we dealt with a, a health issue with my lovely bride. And, uh, of course, it, it just it gripped my heart. It was very serious. And, uh, and just seeking the Lord, uh, he just he took me through a process, a two-stage process. And, and it was so encouraging and, and uh, exciting to have him so involved in that. But he, he just spoke two real clear words to me. And, um, you know, about first about my right standing and righteousness with him. And then I, I was just kind of basking in that. And then he said, so would you pray different knowing that? <laughs> it was just hilarious because he's just so patient with that. And so I, I went into prayer with that motivation, and we just saw a miracle happen in um, in Deb's life. And the next morning it, it happened. So, so yeah, that was... <laughs> That, that is so fresh on my heart. That's cool. That is great. And so, Deb, I, and along those same lines with that same question, how have you seen Christ working in the intimate details of your life? Well, as Ron just said, um, a, a health issue popped up late last mm-hmm. year that surprised us both and had surgery. It seemed, Martha, that all was well. And by June, they pronounced me good to go. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of weeks later... There was a little blip on that horizon, and I just knew that God had worked both through um, His power of healing as well as really good medical professionals, and I just refused to sort of let go of that reality, that that clarity that I had been set back in a path of health. And when when I had gone in to see the doctor, um, initially said, well, we might be looking at more surgery, and I just said to him, I'm not really interested in that. And when I went back two weeks later, I knew that it had been remedied. I can tell when it's happening. Mm. It's the hardest to. And he looked at me and said, I don't really know what to make of this. <laughs> That's really cool. We've got guest authors and speakers, Deb and Ron DeArmond. They've written this book that Martha found, Don't Go to Bed Angry, Stay Up and Fight. Now, you may say, wait a minute, that goes against what I was told, never to just bother just having wasteful conversations about nothing when I go to bed. But these guys are experts. Yeah, so Ron and Deb, I would love for you to tell our listening audience um, about your background, what you guys do on a day-to-day basis. And I know it's not just one thing. So kind of just to bring people to where you got to the point of writing this book. Well, Martha, it's not anything I ever pursued um, until just a few years ago. I have been 
in the leadership development and executive coaching industry most of my career, 30-plus years. And that involves working with adults in the marketplace, helping them learn how to communicate, resolve conflict, um, how, how to be more productive together. And there seemed to be sort of a natural migration at one point when God tapped on my heart to write. And so I was able to cut my teeth in the marketplace and then take it into ministry. Mm. And Ron, what about you? What are you, what are you, what are you doing on a day to day basis? Day to day, I pastor uh, with a local church, and uh, the focus is on men. I've been I had a heart for men since probably 1986 when I met Ed Cole uh, and maximized manhood in that, and it really got my my heart going in that. So. Um, it just, uh, and I do that now. I lead uh, men's retreats uh, two, three, four times a year, five mm-hmm. and a half days. We go away and just walk men back into their sonship. And uh, so that's, that's what my, our weeks look like. Wow. Okay. Now it says on the back of your book that you're relationship and conflict resolution experts. Okay, so what that when I read that behind the line, it means these guys have argued so much they figured it out, and so they can you write got a book. It. Yeah. Oh my God, you've been found out. He figured it all out, and actually, you it's really it. it's funny because he, we didn't talk about that, but I was going to highlight the fact that you've been married for more than forty years, so that makes you, um, you know, through experience, have a lot to be able to share with other people as well. Yeah, we write for. Our- Experience, Martha, um, and not all of it's been productive, and not all of it made God smile. And it, our our whole goal was to help couples learn from some of what we learned the hard way. And I have to say that your personality and your transparency really come out well in the book. I love that well, about it, and the fact that you just are real and let people learn from you. If Martha yeah. and I wrote a, if Martha and I wrote a book, we've only been married thirty years, but if we wrote a book. I think there'd be more stories. I'm sure I'd put more stories in there about, well, here's how we screwed up today. And here's, yep. th- 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 that would be my color. Martha would write the practical, and I'd write the color part of it. There you go. Yeah, that was the rule here. <laughs> I brought a lot of that. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. And, and, it's, and it's great. And the whole premise behind conflict resolution, we actually mentor couples here in Tampa Bay based on that idea that if you could just teach people how to resolve conflict, they can work through any issue in their marriage, if they can just have a positive conflict resolution method. But we have seen, and I'm sure you've seen, that most couples were never taught a positive way to deal with conflict in their homes as they grew up. Absolutely. And Ron and I came from very different backgrounds. I grew up with Ozzie and Harriet, and he did not. And while the two were uh, very different, and mine might have been more peaceful. Neither of us was particularly well-matched to come to the altar and have a, a common sort of understanding of what marital conflict should look like from a perspective that's positive. So uh, to, to us, it was, it was uh, examine, sit down, break down. What was your parents' uh, conflict like? What was the baggage? When, and mine, and out of that, actually, you know, explore through the Word of God, through what we know in the Word of God, where are we? Where does that put us? And not assume. Too many times, assumption is the rule in how we approach conflict. Well, I just assumed you did it like I did. And that's that's a killer. And so Christians sitting down, looking at how were you raised, how was I raised, and then filtering it through the Word of God, 
uh, instead of filtering it through our wounds, you filter it through the Word of God, then you come up with, at least I know his triggers, at least I know what really bothers her. That I love that. Instead of looking at it through your wounds, look at it through the scripture. And that's one thing that I will highlight about your book that I absolutely loved was in the back, all of the scripture that you had listed for people to go back and reference. And um, because so many times it's like, oh, I know I read something about something and I can't find it. And right. you, you guys do such a great job with making sure that the scripture is the center of what people are learning. Um, was that, I'm assuming that was intentional, but do you want to talk about that a little bit? <laughs> no, sure, sure it was a mistake. Uh, before I get into the scriptural side, I want to you know, just ask this question. Okay, because you guys have been married. How many years exactly have you guys been married? 41 last month. Should have let Ron answer, see if he knew the same answer. I'm sure okay. he did. Oh, okay. did. He's better at this stuff than I am. <laughs> okay. All right, so what... But- what led you guys to writing this book? You know, you've got, you, you guys are both in ministry. You've been doing writing. You, you've, you've got this involvement in your church. What led you to write a book about arguing? Well, I think it's one of the things that our boys sort of taught us, if I'm going to be really candid, that what we did and how we did it was unique. At our 40th anniversary last year, Jim, our oldest son, stepped to the microphone and said, I lived in a house of honest conversation, not always quiet conversation, but honest. You knew where they stood with one another, where they stood with God, and where you stood with them. And he said it was one of the best gifts I ever had in my life to live and see that model. And we didn't think that it was that unique, to be very honest with you, because in the beginning, with our very different backgrounds, we had to fight through a lot of difficult moments, and by difficult, I mean ugly, angry, and painful. And... When we had conflict, we would come out of that bedroom, because our kids could hear us, the house wasn't that big, and would say to them, hey, guys, we're sorry that we troubled the peace in the house. Would you forgive us? We're okay with one another. We've asked God to forgive us, and we need to ask you for forgiveness for allowing that in the home. That's, that's really one of the things that um, prompted, I think, the thought about writing this book. And it seemed like a natural segue from the first two that I had written. And so with that sort of awareness that this isn't how it's done everywhere, Jim, mm-hmm. that's what prompted us to write it. So are, are both your boys married now? Three boys. Three boys. Three boys. Me. Three boys. Sorry, I wrote down two yeah. instead of All three. married. Okay, so all married. All okay. married. All have two sons of their own. No pink in this tribe, Jim. Six little rainbow. <laughs> okay, so... How are they doing with conflict in their marriage? Since they saw you guys demonstrate it fairly effectively, uh, you know, you open, honest conversation and then forgiveness at the end and then being transparent with your kids and apologizing. Because Martha and I, that really demonstrates a lot of what we had to do because we grew up learning how to deal with conflict very, very differently. How have your boys taken it to the next generation? Well, we've had to talk to them, uh, and almost all three of them, there would be this conference call hey, uh, it's me and your daughter-in-law sitting right next to me. This is what we're fighting over, and, you know, and this is what's happening, and can you guys help us? And so it was, it was that, uh, helping them walk through that, and, uh, and our daughter-in-laws learned very soon in their relationship with us that we were never on the side of our son to their exclusion. We were always interested in the, in the marriage prospering out of this conversation 
we never ever said to our daughters-in-law, you know, he's real special. You need to give him some slack. <laughs> we we knew that, and and in that we taught our sons, hey, you cannot take our model that your mom and I showed you into your relationship. You need to find out how she connects and how she. Uh, what she grew up in, and then help her work in that if she's a processor or if she's a thinker or, you know, so it, it is, we walk them through the same thing. You know, a lot of people get married, just like Martha and I, I'm sure just like you guys, we get married and you think it's all going to be happily ever after. And, and honestly, our marriage has been pretty incredible, but you still have a few, you still have blips here and there. When you guys studied this book, when you went, you st- I mean, at the, the back of the book has got this amazing index for every chapter, all the scriptures that you've got plugged into it, which is fantastic. When you guys started writing this, did you really go to the root of where did all this conflict come from? Well, we're two strongly opinioned people who've never hesitated to share our thoughts, Jim. That's just who we are. Um, and as my son said, sometimes rather loudly. Um, I, I think one of the things that we discovered when we sat down to work on this together was that um, over the years, rather than taking one year and repeating it 41 times, we were really determined to learn. And my motto is make new mistakes. Let's not have the same argument over and over. Ron and I both have such strong feelings about that. Everything that happens to us in life, we can allow God to make something good out of it and to learn the lessons from it. But one of the interesting things as we worked together on the book was to discover we don't remember our 41 years exactly alike. <laughs> I said, you remember this, this such and such time? Oh, yeah, and then you said that and I said this? No, I don't think that's how that happened. Um, it was a very interesting experience. But we genuinely loved having the chance to look back over 41 years together, the magic and the tragic, mm-hmm. and say, isn't God faithful? If we just keep chasing him, if we just keep relying on him, isn't he faithful? It's such a good, such a good time. Most definitely. And um, before we go to break, I know that one of the things that um, you really discovered was, and I'd like you to talk about a little bit, is that you did survey a lot of people to get a lot of um feedback for the book. Isn't that correct? We did. And the interest is, uh, because we don't want, we want the box to be open, so let's talk about it amongst the church and the unchurched, uh, because it will give us uh, the information that we need, not only what are the main things that couples are arguing about, and as you see in the book, and as we found, it was across the board almost the same percentages that communication was the big issue and mm-hmm. and so many others filled in but it was there were some very similar things between the church and what the world is facing so or our culture mm-hmm. and uh, so it it uh, that was a wake up deal you know it's just funny cuz you know everybody goes into marriage thinking you know what i am marrying the person who completes me. I am, you know, I'm going to go down the uh, down the golden path, and it's just going to be happily ever after. And they think there's never going to be any conflict. And then on the honeymoon, they have their first argument. You know, Jim, I, I will be honest enough to say that when we had celebrated about four or five years of marriage, I said to my mother, we were both so young, 19 years old, hadn't finished college, and yet you never raised an eyebrow and said, maybe you should wait. How come? And she said, well, Deb, she said, I know you. You've got a strong personality. You're just like your dad. And if you ever had a fight, dad and I were never aware of it. 
So she said, I, I thought maybe you should hang on and marry this one because you might never find another one to put up with you. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, like, that was such a huge revelation to us because it was like, oh, thanks, Mom. That was really good. But but it was. In our relationship, uh, we were very strong. We worked together in stuff at school and high school. We met in high school, and, and we knew each other all three years. But then uh, in that senior year, I remember the day – when my heart changed towards her and I went, Oh my gosh, I like her. I really like her. And that just took us into this communication deal. And given my past, no one had ever asked me what I thought about things. And so here was a beautiful girl asking me, Ron, what do you think? And it's uh, given where I, how I grew up that there wasn't a lot of questions like that from my, in my family, it was mostly duck and cover and stay below the radar. So it was, Here's this beautiful woman saying, "What do you What do you think?" It's like, "Wow, thank you." So, and I thought all this time it was my beautiful brown eyes and my big smile. And it is. It was, it it is. was asking him <laughs> asking to share. Yeah. Thoughts, what do you Jim. think? Yeah. That was a level set moment. But it got me to talk, and and uh, then then we get into that, and and I mean the back of her. I'm going to tell a little story on her on the back of her senior year picture that she gave me. She said. Uh, Keep those chauvinistic ideas because some people really love them. I, that's a disclaimer. I, I don't recall writing yeah. that at I have all. Proof. I have is proof. it in your handwriting, Deb? <laughs> it, it, it is. Yeah. Someone who did a very good job of forging it, yeah. <laughs> he was different, Jim. He was different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the word in him, and I didn't know that at the time because I was not a believer. I attended church all my life. But I, I knew the stories, but not the storyteller. He led me to the Lord the night before we graduated from high school. Oh, praise the Lord. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. That is cool. So those chauvinistic ideas like opening the door for you, opening your car door, what kind of chauvinistic ideas did you want him to keep? Well, those were some of them. But there was also uh, there was a level of leadership in Ron that I could see at 17 that I wasn't seeing in many 17-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a presence about him that I didn't know at the moment was God living in him. I, I, it was just very different, very, very different. He, he took the lead. He was a strong leader, but I was never excluded. So, you know, most 17-year-old boys, it's all about them. And that wasn't who he was. And that and was really true to him. And it sounds like from your mom's opinion, you needed somebody that could lead you, um, even with your strong personality. What a gift. Yeah, the truth is, Mar- yeah. Martha, if she had had to pick between us, I'd have been at the curb. She's <laughs> taken him a long time before me. <laughs> That's great. And her parents loved, uh, my parents loved her so deeply. That is wonderful. What a great place to be. So before the break, we were talking about this survey that you did, and you surveyed both unchurched and churched people. And when we we know the statistics, if you would have compared true Christ followers against non-Christ followers, then the the differences might have been a little bit more radical. But when you look at people going to church versus people not going to church, you said that the results and the, the, the significant need for work on learning how to communicate properly and work through conflict, you saw about the same result. You know, it was it was not a huge surprise to me, given where I've spent my professional life, that communication problems ranked as number one for both groups. And if you think about that for a second, Jim, if you don't communicate well, then every other possible marital conflict topic, um, finances, kids, sex, you name it, you, if you can't talk at all, you can't talk about that stuff. 
mm-hmm. and it just tends to snowball. I, I think it's a, a little bit sad in some ways because we have what we would consider divine direction found in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the believers we surveyed are not using that on a regular basis as their sort of compass or as their true north. Mm, that's so sad. Hey, we're talking today with Deb and Ron Diarman. They wrote this fantastic book, Don't Go to Bed Angry, Stay Up and Fight. Deb and Ron, when you did this survey and you found that everybody's really struggling in this area, did you survey pastors and ask them why they don't spend more time talking about this? <laughs> no, we really didn't. Um, we know that pastoral counseling is often available, but what we what we heard from some of the respondents in our survey is that it wasn't always very helpful. Hmm. It was very um, based on scripture as it should have been, but it lacked the practicality of tools and tips and resources. I know I should. That's good. How do I do it? And so we did not we did not interview any pastors. Hmm. So have you ever sat down with your own pastor of your own church and uh, said, hey, here's some ideas. This is something that couples are struggling with pretty much across the board. Maybe this is something we can help you out with. Well, and it was learning to our our pastor came uh, through Freedom Ministry is where uh, a good part of his uh, ministry experience came from. So, yeah, he uh, he had this. And when we sat down with him, uh, it was a very, you know, it was it was very obvious, and so he was excited about having us uh, having us share this. But uh, you know, we our encouragement was to just help uh, bring to the body of Christ what you know what how that scripture's been misunderstood on don't go to bed angry, and then what it looks like to stay up and fight. What do we fight for, or who are we fighting for, and who are we fighting against? To give those scriptures some clarity. And we've got about a minute before we get to go to break again. Why don't you just explain that misunderstanding on the Scripture, don't go to bed angry? Uh, the, the deal is right away, don't go to bed angry, um, is that allowing, admitting the emotional need right away. I am, what you did made me angry, and I don't know what to do with that. And so deal with that. Don't worry about the conflict right now or the issue let, let's deal with the emotions of the issue, and then having done that, talked, acknowledged, and then prayed for the emotion, then we can deal with the actual conflict and, and come up with something. So it, it's, uh, don't, you don't need to stay up and talk about it until 2 a.m. So just get that emotion dealt with. Well, and it's really just identify the stupid right away and go, okay, this is the dumbest conversation ever. Let's just, my feelings were hurt. Let's talk about it. And that's really a lot of it. In our own marriage, it was identify, hey, as a guy, my feelings got hurt. I got to admit that. And that caused me to get angry. Hey, we're talking with Deb and Ron DeArmond. They've written this book, Don't Go to Bed Angry, Stay Up and Fight. And you heard Martha and I talk about conflict resolution. I can't even say it today. Conflict resolution on the air. But you can never talk about this enough because as Ron and Deb found out when they did their survey, Martha and I find out find it all the time when we're doing our marriage mentoring. This is the area that couples struggle with most. And honestly, as we dig deep into our marketplace, the workplace that we go to, I, I got to tell you, the numbers are overwhelming. People have no idea how to deal with conflict in the workplace. So, Ron and Deb, there's your next book. <laughs> conflict in the workplace? Yeah, conflict in the workplace. I mean, what do you think? Uh, uh, we can co-author it with you. 
Oh, no, you guys can write it. We can just put our names on it. That'd be okay. <laughs> but we'll go on the cruise in March with you. We'll work together then. How's that? Oh, work? sounds oh, like a plan. Oh, I like that. <laughs> well, well, Martha was just telling me you guys are in Texas, and we're trying to make a trip to Texas, so maybe we can you know, connect up when we're over in Texas. Cause we, we know that we've got be- like... 18 people that have been on the show from Texas. So we got, we got to make a round. We'd like to meet some, meet some of these people face to face. All right. So you, when you, you wrote in the book that conflict is not the real problem, that it's how we deal with conflict that determines where we take it, that, that that's the real problem, how we deal with conflict. What does that really mean? Well, it means that conflict can be one of the best ingredients in a marriage or in a relationship if you know how to deal with it. Um, Ron and I are really differently wired. He's an engineer by practice and, and uh, experience for many, many years. He's a very deliberate thinker. He wants to examine all the evidence. I have a very different sort of fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants approach on, on occasion. But if you learn how to use that to your strength, then you wind up with conversations, Jim, that sort of sound like this. Oh, wow, I never looked at it that way. Or, huh, I didn't realize that when I did that, that this was the bad impact on you. It can lead us to moments that will absolutely take us into a more intimate and a deeper relationship. But if we do it poorly, then it leads to damage because listening is the key. And if you're genuinely listening, and we like the definition um, that it's to be changed, the willingness to be changed by what you hear, mm. then you, you find discovery that bonds you, builds you, and makes you better as a couple. And if you're just sort of making, you know, um, your own thoughts while that other person is speaking and waiting for them to breathe or swallow so you can get your licks in, well, that's <laughs> damaging. And it's never going to lead to a, a path of agreement. Boy, and it just creates more wedges in the relationship rather than, like you said, getting closer and more intimate because you understand each other better. Uh, I want to make sure I wrote it down right. Okay, listening, the new definition, a genuineness to be changed by what you hear. That may not be exactly what you said, but why don't you repeat what you said? It's the willingness. It's the willingness to be changed by what you hear, and that requires that you set aside your preference, maybe even your experience, and say, "I'm I'm a blank page write it out for me. Let me let me consider it. Well, and that's redefining. Usually when we're listening, we're just loading our gun. <laughs> we're just oh. putting new bullets in there, and I'm just waiting for her to stop talking so that I can, you know, oh, I'm reloaded, locked, and fired. You know, so it is stopping, put the bullets down, put the gun down. I go, wow, I really have to humble myself right now and consider what I'm hearing that's a Texas explanation, Jim. Yeah, that's right there. We're oh, no. Lock and loaded. I don't know. I don't know. No, that applies. We live in Florida. There's plenty of gun-carrying people here in Florida, too. Uh, you know, and I grew up in Minnesota. Everybody's got a rifle up there. So everybody understands it, but everybody's laughing. People listening right now are laughing. They're going, that is so true. When I'm having an argument with my boss or if I'm having an argument with my coworkers or I'm having an argument with my husband or my wife or my kids, that's we are not listening. We are load reloading. Mm-hmm. We're reloading. Mm-hmm. So it, it is. Uh, you're absolutely correct that what we live in our daily lives, we we shouldn't have two ways of dealing with conflict. And we had to come to it in our relationship. In the conflict, there cannot be a winner and a loser. It has to be a, a conflict that is that is there to draw somebody back into connection. And uh, you see that in John 21 with Jesus and Peter. 
and that Jesus confronted Peter with love to reconnect with him. And whether it's at work, whether it's with your spouse or your, your sons and daughters, something got in the way, and now I want to reconnect with you. And the way to do that is to confront some of what I saw, some of the behavior. Well, think about that scripture. Three times Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And mm-hmm. it says that by the third time that he was grieved in his spirit. What was his point? His point was, I know what you did. I told you you were going to do it, and it doesn't matter to me. I know you love me. I love you. I want to pull you back into the place in which I've set you in my church because it's important. Connect with me, Peter. But the, the language of confrontation has to be love because if it's not, it'll go south on you very, very quickly. Hmm. Well, and, you know, that just circles right back to the whole idea of really active listening, because then you are showing that you love what that other person has to say more than listening to or talking, you know, having hearing yourself speak. So that goes a long way in that. I love the layout of your book. And the end of every chapter, you have some really key ways to get people to really think deeper, because often we read a book and then we move on. And we don't really digest it. So I'd love for you to kind of explain that for our listeners a little bit about the, the thoughts behind the, the layout at the end of each chapter. Well, I think there's a lot of books out there that, as I said earlier, tell you what you should do. Mm-hmm. But they're really not helpful in helping you understand how you should do it. And so it's great to learn things. It's, it's even better and most valuable when you have an opportunity and some guidance to apply what you've learned. And so at the end of each chapter, there's that put on the gloves uh, section where um, each person talks a little bit or writes a little bit, and then they come together and talk about what did that chapter mean? And he, there's a section called He Said and She Said, because we suggest that they do that individually, that first step, put on the gloves, sit down and talk about their responses. How close are they? How far are they? And then let's take a look at the definitive word. Can we? Could we please? And that's mm-hmm. what, what is God's on this topic? And often, out of that, there, there really come some new discoveries. Gee, we are closer together than I might have thought, or we've got some distance to make up here. We really need to spend some time in God's Word and begin to soak in that. And then let's pray together that this becomes more than just a moment, more than just a book that lives on the shelf and gets dusty, but that these principles, these concepts, and this, this Word of life begins to live in us and through us. And the last point is, I I can't tell you how many times, Martha, and I've had that conversation with couples to help them understand praying together is the most powerful thing they can do together. And how many Christ-following couples today, that is their last priority. Everything else is important, and if they have time, they'll pray together. Well, then it never happens. And praying together, that ultimate humility step before your heavenly father to grab each other's hands and to spend time before him in prayer it 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 moves and changes marriages it's it's amazing well that's absolutely right and we miss the fact that prayer is the main thing that produces intimacy in our relationship not only between each other but between us and god so Mm -hmm. if prayer is the last resort it's like well we just relegated value and intimacy to the to the you know the bottom rung of the ladder and it shouldn't be that way it should be we should see what we get out of that is intimacy and value 
We're talking today with Deb and Ron DeArmond about their great book, Don't Go to Bed Angry, Stay Up and Fight. And it's all about how to have a positive conflict in your marriage. And honestly, it flows right back into the workplace because if you can learn how to handle conflict in a productive, good manner, then uh, you can bring that to the office as well because, honestly, people in the office, they have no idea what to do with any conflict. They just cower, and many of them quit. I do want to thank Barbara for calling in from Largo. She won the book today. We'll make sure we get out to, get that out to you here in the next week, Barbara. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks so much for calling in today to get the book. Don't go to bed angry. Make sure you read it from cover to cover, and if you're married, make sure you have your spouse read it with you. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Deb and Ron, as you guys went through and wrote this book, how long did it take you to write this book? Well, it took about... Um, 41 you know, years. 41 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's been in the writing a long time. <laughs> Probably about, about eight months. Um, and the, the challenge was that, that we would sit together, take a look at the topic, uh, talk about it together, two heads, two hearts, but one set of hands on the keyboard. And that was a unique and interesting twist that I had not dealt with previously. And it there was not a chance I could write this book on my own. He's always been a part of the other books. But you know, before he would offer feedback, and it was my choice as to whether to take it or not. And so as a co-author, well, that was a little different. So that was interesting. But about eight months, I think, start to finish. So you had to work through conflict in order to write a book about conflict. Oh, we've tested every theory in this book in the, during <laughs> Um, it's, it's good stuff in there, Jim. And we, 41 years. We, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's that good. good. I like that. And, and really, honestly, what we have found, and I'm sure what you guys have found, is that just transparency and honesty with other couples as they live through vicariously through your own mistakes, that's the most powerful way, powerful teacher. As you said, your three boys learning from you. They're, they saw you demonstrate how to not do this right and how to work through to do it right. And my kid, our kids the same way. They saw us do it the wrong way and learn to do it the right way. When you, when you came up with the result, though, that 42% of those identified as people of faith seldom use their faith to resolve conflict in marriage, how depressing was that? Well, it showed that they, had, they have a misunderstanding of what conflict is. That that conflict is when you get angry and you yell at each other and then you're and then you're not talking to each other and so they looked at it culturally instead of looking at it scripturally, and so to us that's what it was saying. Okay, they have a misunderstanding of what conflict and conflict resolution is, and that that is what okay that gave us. This is another reason why this book is important because when we were just teaching these things before we wrote the book. We had young couples looking at us, and we would say the thing, you know, there's rules to fighting, and they just looked at us like, hold it, hold it, there's rules? And uh, it's like, well, there better be rules. You, you have to have rules. You've got you to gotta talk about, hey, don't argue in front of the kids. You've got to talk about and say, we need to follow up with your kids. And, you know, there's no, you know, we're in this as Christians, so there's no D word. There's no divorce word. Right. And truthfully, I think it reflects that married Christians forget that God was the author of marriage. There is a, a user's manual, and it also might suggest to me that many Christians are segmenting their lives. Mm-hmm. There are things that they go to prayer about, 
um, the things that they believe are perhaps out of their control, a lost job, a, a frightening diagnosis. Uh, let me take that to prayer because there's nothing they can do about it. They mm. forget that it's in the everyday details that lives are mar- that marriages are won or they're lost. Mm. And so often they're lost for lack of attention to God's Word. Ron and Deb DeArmond are joining us today, and I'm just giving them ideas on what to write about next in the, you know, that, that conflict in the office. Yeah, we can work on that. The four of us can work on that together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, very convincing. 41 years. Okay. All right. So you, there's a, there's a whole bunch of communication traps that you mention in your book. What are those four communication traps? Those traps are silence, sulking, sarcasm, and sound, which is either hollering or crying emotionalism at high levels. Uh, all right, but what do you mean they're traps? Well, they're traps because they can take a conflict into such a dangerous direction. The truth is that they're forms of punishment. It, it boils down to if you won't do what I want you to do, then I'm going to holler at you or I'm going to withdraw from you or I'm going to be snotty to you, sarcasm. And that's called manipulation, Jim. There's mm-hmm. no other way around that. And the word has a lot to say about manipulation. Manipulation is used to get what you want, regardless of the cost to the relationship or the other person. And what I, I love is when you talk about the communication trap of silence, or as I like to call it, the silent treatment. Yeah. You, you said in there, if you have enough self-control to not talk to your spouse for several days, then... You suggest in the book that there's an ability to manage the conversation in a productive manner from the beginning. Because if you can hold your mouth shut for three days, certainly you could have kept your mouth shut and actually worked through a conflict. Talk to me about that one, because that's an interesting point, because a lot of people out there going, I'm really good at the silent treatment. Well, it, really, the, the silent treatment is a characteristic of being an orphan or acting like an orphan that, uh, oh, you know what? I don't need you. Uh, you know what? I'm okay just with me, and I'm okay with the tension between us. And I'm, I mean, it says okay to all of these things that Galatians talks about as far as the works of the flesh. I'm okay, and and you're the one that's really messed up. So it really individualizes the disagreement and the conflict and says, you know what? I'm, you need to think about what you've said. And silence communicates very loudly. I'm not happy, and I'm particularly not happy with you, and I'm going to punish you until you come crawling to beg my forgiveness. That's just not healthy. And maybe she doesn't see this punishment. She says, oh, thank goodness he finally closed his mouth, and I can deal with that. <laughs> but it, it's so unhealthy in so many areas, uh, just in the silence. All of it is. And, and so we really need to look at that. It just drops us back into the flesh, and we're not seeing each other, uh, seeing the value in each other and seeing the glory of God on each other, you know, so it's, man, deal with it. Don't take the bait. You know, uh, seek to explain, you know, what can I do? Uh, you know, is a time while she's sulking and silent, should I run out and buy flowers? The answer is yes. Run out, buy flowers, come back, say, here, you know, with a bended knee and a, sour, and a, and a humble look. So in the minute that we have less ro- left, Ron and Deb, I would just love for you to tell our listeners who you want this book to go to, um, who should be picking up a copy? Well, I'd love to see those who are headed to the altar buy a copy because they could shortcut the process of getting to a positive um, approach to dealing with their conflict really early. But the truth is, Martha, anybody, anywhere along the way, those who are 
um, struggling perhaps and find themselves not dealing well with the conflict or those whose marriage, frankly, is about over. We, we have seen folks long-time married mm-hmm. who, haven't, who haven't gotten it together. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Ron and Deb DeArmond, thank you so much for being on iWork for him today and for sharing from your great book. We look forward to another conversation when you get that next book written. Thank you. Thanks so much for being on here. Thanks so much for listening to I Work for MDA today. Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha as we talk about Don't Go to Bed Angry, Stay Up and Fight by Ron and Deb DeArmond. You've been listening to I Work for him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers and we own our own business, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.